1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Go ahead and turn there. Um, I think this will be the last one for this Sunday school where we're dealing with this issue. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, The very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the time that we have to study your word. And as we uh, finish up this series about the makeup of man, may we allow your word to be the final authority in all things that we might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> all right. So we've been spending quite a bit of time on 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 dealing with the makeup of man. And according to that verse, according to Paul, we are spirit, soul, and body. Now, one of the things that we've also talked about as we've gone through here is the main issue is you've got God's wisdom over here, and then you've got the world's wisdom over here, which is that corrupted wisdom of Satan, right? We've talked about that, and we've gone through all of that. Now, one of the things that we dealt with, and we talked about it last week, We've got that corrupted wisdom over here, and we've, we've gone through and talked about that. Go real quick to Colossians chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Yeah, what did you, where were you? Okay, uh, you're fine. I can see with all the commotion of all the people, you, you could get mixed up there. That's fine. All right, Colossians chapter 2, and um, we could go through this with uh, Romans chapter 6 as well, but, but I want to remind ourselves, we've gone through and we've talked about how those three parts work together, the way that God's designed those three parts to work together, and what we've dealt with is that when we're lost, our um, spirit is dead, our soul is darkened. And our body is depraved. And all that means is you can't function in a way that would be glorifying to God. There's nothing that you can do in your body to glorify God. Now, the moment that you get saved, notice here in Colossians chapter 2. We'll start in verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, and putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, this is one of those things when we when we come to this, what takes place is the moment that you hear the gospel, your spirit's no longer dead, but you're given life. Right? In Hold your place here, Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> we'll come back to Colossians in a second. Ephesians chapter 2. And we've gone through this a lot, but I want us to remind ourselves where we are because it's been a couple weeks. So uh, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Notice he says, and you hath he what? What's that word quickened mean? means to be made alive, 
So what happens is, is at one point you're dead, you hear the gospel, you decide to trust in the gospel, and what happens is you're made alive. And the idea of quickened is not just you're given life, but you're given life and it's going to work, right? Now, what happens then, um, your soul was darkened, now you have light. In fact, one of the things that Paul talks about in Ephesians is the fact that we are to be what? Children of light. Um, right here, go over to Ephesians chapter 6, or chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> and we've, we've gone through these, and, and we'll see how Ephesians 5 will be some of the stuff we'll talk about today. Um, in Ephesians chapter 5, notice in verse 1, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness and corruptness, let it not be named once among you as becometh saints. Now, that the fornication, um, the uncleanness, covetousness, all that stuff comes from here. So when you're talking about the pride parades, that's why they are dead their soul is darkened their body is depraved and that's what they go to just naturally they're going to go to those things you know we talk about everything's gotten worse like i said i think it's just it's more out in the open now because it's been the same since the beginning as soon as you had the fall this is what man by nature goes to automatically are these things notice at the end of verse 3 he says let it not be once named among you as becometh saints so fornication uncleanness covetousness none of those things should be named among you notice in verse 4 neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient but rather given of thanks for this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath an inheritance in the kingdom of God, or in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So what's he saying about those folks there is, this is where they are. What's their ultimate place is, we know that there's going to be hell. Lake of fire, burn forever, that's what they're going to, they're going to be in torments forever. Right, and you go over to Luke and you find out where he's talking about the rich man and Lazarus. Rich man is in torments. Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom. That's the, that's the future for these folks. This corrupted wisdom, that's the future for those folks. And that's the place that we try to get people out of. And it is sad because they live their entire lives satisfying this that's depraved and it's depravity and we look at all that stuff and we're like why would you want to do that well that's what their flesh wants and what's interesting is paul talks about folks here and then folks other places he says you used to be the same way but you've trusted the gospel now you're alive and light notice here uh, verse 6, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. What do we know that's going to happen to all those folks is what? Wrath of God is going to come. 
He's also talked, he brings up that issue of the children of disobedience. That's the same phrase he uses in Ephesians 2, right? Verse 7, but not ye, be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye sometime, were sometimes what? That's what you used to be. So when you think about this issue of the soul, you're dead, your soul is darkened. He says, this is who you used to be. This was your identity. Now, isn't that what most of the people in the parades and all that stuff they're dealing with is, I want to live my 100% true self. Well, that's who they are. And that's exactly what they're living. And one of the problems that they have is their identity. And they say, well, I don't want to be this, I want to be this. And that's all you have. And that's that's the idea when Paul says in Romans 2, treasuring up wrath against the day of wrath. There's wrath out here, but they're choosing to follow this. And the more and more they get into it, they're treasuring up wrath. Now, the interesting thing about that is, is in a split second, they can move from this to this. And that's an amazing thing if they choose to. And, you know, you think about that when we were talking about the power of prayer last Sunday, the power is the book. And this book will, the greatest miracle that you can see today isn't healing legs. It's not healing bodies. It's taking a person out of Adam and putting them in Christ. We see miracles every time we present the gospel and people trust it. That's a miracle. And it's God's word working to do that. Because you think, if we're here and we just keep treasuring up and treasuring up and treasuring up. Then we hear the gospel. We say, I'm going to trust that. And I'm going to get rid of all that stuff. And I move over here. Now I'm alive. You've gone from being dead in your spirit to being alive. You've gone from being darkened in your soul to light. You've gone from being depraved in your body to actually you're able to per perform to the glory of God. Completely. And some of that is that. It is. And the problem is, is what's the church done? They've embraced all that stuff. And 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 you know, you you talk about you talk about where where we are today. The church failed 30, 40 years ago. And what's interesting is, is everybody's like, um, you know, they're shocked that this stuff's happening. And they're like, this is all new. It's not. People, it, it takes three generations. You know, we've, we've, gone, we've gone through that back before. Over in Genesis, you've got <clears throat> spring, summer, fall, and winter. That's the cycle that we find ourselves in all the time. Now, usually what, what happens is there's some guys that took that idea from Genesis 8 and said, 
Let's apply that to history and see if there's some sort of pattern. And there is. And so then what comes about is from 0 to 20, and you're from the 0 to the time you're 20, that's the springtime of your life, right? Next would be 20 to 40. That's when you're at your most productive, your most influential is in that time. Or no, I'll, I'll take that back. This is this is your most productive time. Well, I'll fix that in a second. And then from here you got from 60s to 80s. Now, of course, some people live a little bit longer than that. But what they've done is they've taken this and they put this along with Genesis chapter 8. What happens here is you form your thought process. How am I going to be? Right? And everybody's like, I want to go find myself. <laughs> here is where you actually put to test those things that you came up with in your early years. That's when you start trying to pass it back to these people. And so you stop and you think, if you're here in the winter part of your life, what is it that you do from the winter going into spring? You think about what you're going to plant in the spring, right? And then what happens is down here, you've got seed time and harvest is what, what, what Genesis 8 says. You've got springtime and harvest. Springtime you plant, harvest you do what? You harvest what you planted. And so then what happens if you stop and you think about what's going on, here you're starting to, you're told things, here's what you should believe by your parents right here or right here. Here you start putting those things to test. Here you've got your own set of things that you're going to do. And by that time, you're living in a world that you don't know and understand. And it's weird because, you know, you stop and you think, I deal with kids all the time. I'm in this category here, and I deal with kids all the time, and I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about. And that's why. That's the cycle that we go through. So what happens is you've got one, two, three. By the time you're here, this is where most of your politicians are, is this age group. That's when you're most influential, the most powerful, whatever you want to call it. But that's that's that point of time where you got to stop and say this is important i need to be able to do something with it but it takes three generations for a nation to completely change and so then my point behind that is is everybody's like the reason that we're in the mess now is because schools are doing what they're doing now no the whole society did it three decades ago i know but that's the thing. It's been going on for three decades. It's just you've not paid attention to it. <laughs> and all of a sudden now it's become a problem. But it takes three decades for something like that to completely change a culture. That's where we are now. We're reaping what was sown 30, 40, 60 years ago. And you stop back and you think, what happened 60 years ago? That was in the 60s, right? Remember what happened in the 60s? Peace, love, and all that stuff. We're reaping now where those people were young back then. They're up here now, and we're reaping what we sow because of that corrupted wisdom. Um, you remember the, what is it? I think the Azusa Street Revival. You all remember that in San Francisco? 
the first big Pentecostal move of God, quote-unquote, because of the church going away from the book, we're now reaping what they sowed 60 years ago. That's what they've planted. And so then Pentecostalism and all that stuff, evangelical and all the things that we're seeing in churches now, the church quit 60 years ago, and that's why we're in the mess that we're in. They gave up on some stuff. Um, it's probably even more than earlier than that, but you think about that stuff, it takes three generations to completely switch up a culture. So this isn't new, and it's not just now happening. It's just people are just now paying attention to it, and it's getting all the press and all that stuff. No, no. But the thing is, is you get small segments switching. What happens is those segments start adding up. And that's why we're seeing, like, you know, you stop and you think. When I was in, when I was in college in the late 90s, Ellen, had, Ellen DeGeneres had a TV show, and they kicked her off because she came out as, as lesbian. They kicked her out of the sh off her own show. <coughs> Within a decade, she's got a show back. So that tells you there's, it's that point of, all right, we don't like it. Now we're going to accept it. And now we're to the point where, like, you better accept it. And that's where we are. And the church gave up on that a long time ago because they got rid of the book. And they started caring more about other versions. They started caring more about uh, politics and becoming socially aware and all that stuff. And now we're in a mess. And COVID showed everybody that the church was in a mess. And that's kind of accelerated it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it, it the churches have moved away, and because and the reason is because they got away from the truth. A long time ago. Mm -hmm. They wanted a social gospel. And they said, we're going we're gonna to give you a sandwich if you come to church. And then we count that person as a conversion, and they're not. And then what do they do? They count the person as a conversion. They baptize them, and that person's in their Sunday school room the next weekend teaching. And they don't know anything. And then we're sitting here like, well, what's going on with the church? They gave up on the truth four, five, six decades ago. And we're reaping what they sowed as a nation. The amount of sound doctrine that's in a nation is what you can tell about, you can tell what a nation's going to be based on that. And there's very little sound doctrine in this nation now. Used to be, there was a lot. Now, and of course, everybody's like, oh, it's social media. It was way before social media showed up. And if we want to blame those newer things, we're missing, we're trying to put a Band-Aid on, on a shotgun blast and you're trying to put a band-aid on it because you're only worried about that one pellet you got a whole blast there you're, and it's just but it's this stuff right here notice in verse 8 this is why they are verse 8 and he's telling the folks there in Ephesus you used to be this way for ye were sometimes darkness but now are ye what light in the Lord so then this issue is not only are you alive but now you have light Right? And he says, what's the very next thing? He says what? Where do you walk? 
So our thinking here shows up out here. So we take the life that we have, the light that we have, and we go put it to use. Walk is light. Walk is the children of light. And then in verse 9, he brings up, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather what? You know what the church, if the church four decades ago would have lived Ephesians 5.11, what would they have done with the works of darkness that they saw? They would have reproved him, not said, all right, we're going to accept you. Come on in and you can be, you know, you can go preach in the pulpit in a month. But that's what's happened. Notice in verse 12, it says, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by what? By the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That idea of circumspectly is having an adult walk. Being careful where and how you walk. Being aware. Because this is out there, and it can still influence us. But it's that right there, right? We, we talk about that all the time. Notice verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are, this was when Paul wrote this in the first century. He says what? The days are evil. He's not saying they're going to become evil. So even this idea, our country moved away three generations ago and we're seeing the benefits or the failures of that. We're reaping what they sowed 60 years ago. But it's not new. This All the stuff that we see was going on in Paul's day. And he says what? The days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And he goes on down through there. All right. Dealing with being filled with the Spirit. Now. Goes all the way back to the to the to the garden. Yeah, but what's interesting is, is you know, we've all grown up in a in a country, the United States, that it was pretty good times. And so you know, when Trump did his, you know, make America great again, at one time it was. But if you don't have the right materials, you can't build back. If you don't have the right materials. And that's a whole nother that's a whole nother topic. But Colossians chapter two. <clears throat> so what's taking place is what we see right here in Colossians chapter two is your spirit's dead, your soul's dark, and your body's depraved, which means you can't serve God in your old man. But as I said, what a lot of churches have done is what? Social gospel. You come to church, that means you're saved, and we're going to put you in a position of authority. And what's that person going to teach? Not this. They're going to teach this. Using a corrupted book. <laughs> but they think 
but they're thinking they're teaching this. And they're like, well, I'm doing good. So since I'm doing good and I'm teaching this, then I must be good and I'm saved. And they've convinced themselves that they are when they're not. But notice here in Colossians 2, in verse 11, he says, In whom, talking about Christ, when you're placed in Christ, what happens? Also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made, notice, without hands. So how in the world can you have a circumcision? By the way, what's the circ- what was circumcision for? Let's start there. It was a sign of the covenant between God and his people with Abram, right? Starts off with Abram. What's he do? Hold your place here. Go to Romans chapter 4. So what we've, what we've been dealing with as we've gone through and talked to all of these, and so then we're, we talked two weeks ago about the body, and, and so I want us to make sure that we keep this in mind. <coughs> Notice Romans chapter 4, verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? All right, so the question is, is what? What did Abraham find out about his flesh? Notice, for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scriptures? Abraham believed God... And it was counted unto him for righteousness. So, pause there for a second. What is it that Abraham found out about his flesh? flesh I can't do it. I can't do it myself. In fact, if you drop down, um, if you drop down to verse um, 19, or verse 18, Romans 4, 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Why would he think that he could become a father of many nations? Is because God told him, I'm gonna, you're, you're going to be the father of many nations. Notice, according to that which was what? Spoken. That's God's word, right? So shall thy seed be. You go back to Genesis 15, you see that. Verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Now what? Could, could Abraham physically have a child? He could, not, he could not produce a child. His body was what? Functionally dead. He could not produce what it takes for a man to create a child. There was a point in his life where he was not able to do it. What did he find out about his flesh? I got to the point I could not produce a child. Notice, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. What did he know about Sarah? She couldn't perform and get a child either. They were both not possible. They were depraved. You see the connection there, hopefully. He could not physically produce what it needed to produce to create a child, and she could not produce what she physically needed to produce a child. And what did they both find out about their flesh? They got to a point where they could not do it, and they had to say what? I'm just going to leave what your word says. Jonah and the whale. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> 
And so then you look at verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. So what did, what did Abraham find out about the flesh? Flesh can't do it. What do you have to rely on? What God says. And he said, I know that God's going to do this. I'm going to stagger not, even though what I see in my flesh, I know that I can't produce. I know Sarah can't produce, but I'm going to believe God's word. And what happened? They had a kid. After they, well, the, and that become a mess too, right? And that was what they found out. Did God accept Ishmael? No. You go over in, in, in Genesis and you find out when, when he takes up Isaac into the mountain, what's God say? Take thy son, thine only son, Isaac. So he didn't even recognize Ishmael. Now, what happens here, back in Colossians chapter 2, in Colossians chapter 2, in whom, ye, in whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Now, circumcision was to do what? Cut off the flesh as a sign that this is the covenant between me and you and this is something that I'm going to keep because God what? Said so. So when we come here and he says that there's a circumcision made without hands in putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, what is that? Well, what happens is the moment that we trust, there's a connection between these that that's cut off and the soul and the spirit are no longer subject to whatever the body wants to do only. Now, is it possible for this body to still say, hey, we want to do this, we want to do this? Absolutely. There's an influence there. And we talked the last time, is, is, our, is our old man, the flesh, is it dead? Yes. Can old men, dead men influence you? Absolutely. So when we take a look at this, what happens is when the circumcision of Christ, the moment that you trust in what Christ has done, he separates this from that. That's the circumcision made without hands. Did you feel that one when you got saved? No. Did you know what happened unless you read about it here in Colossians 2? And what's interesting is, notice what he says in verse 12, What's he connect this circumcision of Christ with? Verse 12, buried with him in what? Water, right? How do we know? We read the verse, notice. Wherein also ye are risen with him. Well, do we know some, some terminology where he talks about us being buried with him and risen with him? Through the faith of the operation of God. Who's the one doing that? The Holy Spirit does, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, what's he done? He's quickened you. So the moment that you, that you trust in the gospel, that takes place. You're made alive. Your soul's given light. And now you can actually produce something because it's his word going to be working through us to do that. Now, let's, let's do this real quick. <clears throat> Um, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 6, and Ephesians 4. Everybody got their uh, bookmarks? 
So 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 6, and Ephesians 4. No, we're going to go to, yeah, we'll go to there first, yeah. So Romans 6, yeah, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. So let's, let's take a look at this real quick. Let's do uh, 1 Corinthians 12 first. <clears throat> so Romans 6, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So what's he bringing up there? What's the very first thing he brings up is the body is one. One has many members, but the members of that one body, being many, are one body. And he says what? So also is Christ. How many bodies are there? One. Each one of us are members of that same body, right? Over in um, Ephesians 1, he, he talks about that. We'll, we'll talk about that sometime. But notice verse 13. For by what? One spirit. How many spirits? Just one. Notice that's the capital S there too, right? For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Well, what's that body? It's the body of Christ. So who's doing the baptizing here? The Holy Spirit. Into what? Into the body of Christ. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. All right, and then he goes on down through there. Ephesians chapter 4. And we see the same type of language, and we'll pick up the, the other type here in just a minute. Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> on your way, well, I do want to show you this real quick. So it's right here in Ephesians. Turn probably one page left. Ephesians 1 real quick. Then we'll get Ephesians 4, because I want us to see this too. Because this is the first time you really see this put this way. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. Notice he says, And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Verse 23, which is his what? So who's the body? The church. What church? The church in the wilderness? No. The church in Acts 2? No. It's the church that what? Begin in Acts chapter 9. We've talked about that, right? So there's there's an issue there we want to make sure. What's the purpose? The fullness of him that filleth all in all. That's the purpose of the body. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. There is what? How many? One. And one what? So that's a capital S, just like we saw in 1 Corinthians 12, right? We got one body, one spirit. Even as you're called in what? We've got one hope, and that hope is what? The rapture, catching away. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling, verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now, if you look at that in Ephesians 4, What's the baptism that he's talking about there? 
there's one baptism that Paul talks about, and that's the baptism in 1 Corinthians 12. What we just got through reading about in Colossians chapter 2, what we're going to find out in Romans chapter 6. Have you ever noticed in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, there's three baptisms in that one verse? <laughs> Which one of those do you want? That's not the choice, right? John says, I baptize with water. Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So who's baptizing? Christ is baptizing them what? With the Holy Spirit. And then with what? Fire. Well, what's the baptism of fire? It's this right here. It's not the ability to speak in tongues like they think it is in, in Acts 2. It's this. That's the baptism that they're going to be baptized in one day, and you don't want that one. Yeah, so you look at that and you're like, Acts 2, they see the like cloven tongues of fire and they're like, well, that's the baptism. No, it's not. It's not baptism of being able to speak in tongues. But what we see here is there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. All right? So there's one. Which one? The one in 1 Corinthians. The one in Romans 6. Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> And you think about this, if somebody comes along and says, we're going to take your body and we're going to place it in water and then you're going to raise, because that's what they do with Romans chapter 6 is buried with him in water and raised unto newness of life. That person is going to come up, they're going to go, praise the Lord, and they're going to say, what? Here's Sunday school material you got next week. What is it? Win them, wet them, work them, and whip them. Show me a verse that says it's symbolic. There's not one. There's not one. All right? And if, if you look verse with verse, notice here in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 contains the same readings, the same words that we see over in Colossians chapter 2. Notice verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Isn't that the same thing we read over in Colossians a minute ago? When he's talking about what? Circumcision. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also what? Walk in newness of life. For if... We have been planted together in the likeness of his death. Question, have you? The only way that you have is if you've actually trusted the gospel. If you've not trusted the gospel, you have not been planted together in the likeness of his death. So if you are, what's he say? We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So what's he saying? I'm going to cut this off so you don't have to follow what the body wants. But what I want you to do is take the word in here by reading it, knowing it. Then you're going to take that over into your soul. And again, we talked about your will. Um, you have Your soul has a mind and all that stuff. What you're supposed to do with that is say, okay, I'm going to, get, I'm going to make this body go and do something that it doesn't want to do. What do I know about this body one day? What's he say right there? It's going to be done away with. <laughs> and what's he going to replace it with? 
a body that's like unto his glorious body. It's uncorruptible. All right, you go over to 1 Corinthians 15, you see that one too. All right, back over to Colossians chapter 2. And again, every bit of that stuff, you know, you teach what we just got through teaching there about those baptisms, and that's why people call us dry cleaners. <laughs> you ever heard that ever heard that phrase, dry cleaners? Well, that's what God's doing today. So what did what did what did Paul talk about in Ephesians? He says God's in the dry cleaning business. We'll put it that way. But I mean that's the point, right? There's something here that's different that we gotta pay attention to, and if we don't, Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 he says in whom talking about christ also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and put it off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of christ what's the issue there he's saying i'm cutting off your flesh i'm going to cut it away so that you are made free from that old man so when we take this message in and we know and we didn't get into it in Romans 6, he does this. No, we take that knowledge and we reckon it to be true for us. And then what we do is we yield. What are we yielding to? What we believe about what we know. That is the grace life and there's a lot of folks that don't like that and it makes their life a mess because or they know it and they refuse to walk it and that's a sad thing because you miss out on so much notice he says buried with him in baptism same stuff that we saw over in Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> Wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. What's he dealing with there is what? Your personal death, your personal burial, and your personal resurrection is all tied to Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. In fact, what happens is the moment you get saved, you partake in his death is now your death. This is the identity stuff in Romans 6, 7, and 8, or yeah, 6, 7, and 8, that a lot of times people just skip over and gloss over. In Romans chapter 6, the whole issue there is, is his death is now your death. Didn't he go and die your death on the cross? He took upon himself the second death that each and every one of us deserve. And he says, put that on me. And his death is now our death. Think of it this way. If you're dead and you're made alive, you're never going to go back to there. That's a wonderful thing. You can't. And you're sealed. That's the issue. When it comes to... Go ahead. No, you're fine. I heard so many different versions of why you can. The big one is you can give it away. Yeah. He can't deny himself. 
Second Timothy two tells us he cannot deny himself. If he's in you, he cannot deny himself. And he and that what this verse says that he is in us. We go through that. That's part of that identification. Is he is in you? He is now wherever you walk, Christ walks. Wherever you go on your job, whatever, Christ goes with you. That might change perspective on some things sometimes. Ruth. Ruth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For salvation, he yeah. Not gonna let us go, even if we wish him to. You say, uh uh-uh. yeah. You're in my son, and you're coming here to mm-hmm. leave this earth. Period. Yeah. And that's such an awesome thing for eternal security. It is. And you look at that stuff, and that's what everybody gets hung up on when you talk about once saved, always saved, and all that stuff. Everybody's like, oh, you know, I don't like that. That's fine if you don't like it, but it's the truth. He says he will not deny himself. If he's taken up residence in you, when you've trusted the gospel and all this stuff takes place, what happens is, is he comes up and takes residence in you. And what he wants us to do is take his word and let his word dwell in us richly in all knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And we talked about the difference between those, right? Knowledge is just, you know, some facts, right? Understanding is what? I believe that those facts that I know are true. Yielding says what? I want to allow that word to work through me. And then the last part is the prudence, which is like, I'm going to let it do it at the right time. And that's an interesting thing when you go through and you look at that stuff. And so many people miss out on so much. Um, And it's because of religious folks that come by and try to take that from them. All right.